right, book of Zechariah, chapter 10. Somebody say amen when they're there. All right, Zechariah 10 and verse number one simply says, Ask ye of the Lord rain. Everyone say rain. rain. Ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. So the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to everyone grass in the field. And I just want to talk to you just for a few moments, amen, about, amen, rain, rain. Can you say amen? Amen. Jesus, we thank you for your word. Lord, we pray, God, that you would bless this word. God, we pray, Lord, that you would touch me and help me to preach, touch this congregation to receive the word. Open up the windows of heaven and let it rain in this house, God. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The American poet Walt Whitman once wrote of the city where he lived just a few years before his passing. I dreamed in a dream. And in that dream, I saw a city invincible to the attacks of the whole earth. The city that Walt Whitman was writing about was Camden, New Jersey. At the time when Whitman lived in Camden, New Jersey, it was an affluent, quaint, and seemingly incorruptible and invincible city. Today, Camden, New Jersey is nothing like this. In fact, it is the exact opposite. Camden, New Jersey has a violence crime rate seven times higher than the national average. It is ranked as one of the most violent and murderous cities in America for several consecutive years. Camden has a population of 77,000, which is about the same as here in Alameda. It is predominantly African-American and Latino. It has an 11% unemployment rate. The vast majority of the city lives well below the poverty line. Recently, the police department was forced to cut one-third of its police force, skyrocket, causing a skyrocket in crime. No city is invincible. No city is uncorruptible. And the reason for this is really quite simple, because cities are full of people, and people have sin. People have sin. And the sin that lives in people's hearts manifests itself in the city's government, in the city's schools, in the city's streets, in the city's economy, and wherever people get involved. Sin has a direct effect on everything. Such is the condition of humankind. In fact, God said of humanity in Genesis 8 and 21 after the great flood, I will not again curse the ground anymore. But listen to why God says this. He says, for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. God is essentially saying, this is just not the way I'm going to deal with humans anymore. Because they, they have a problem. They are flawed. They have sin. And this is the way they are from their youth. 
This is one of the reasons, even as inadequate as it is, that we have Sunday school back there. Even though it's over an open tent, hopefully all of us here understand that it's never too early to start working on our kids. Because we understand that there is sin in their lives. They might be little, they might be cute, amen, but they have sin in their lives. Amen. They have to be exposed to the gospel. They have to be exposed to the word and to worship. Can you say amen? Humanity is not in good shape. Amen. It would be a betrayal of our better judgment to think otherwise. Our world, as was prophesied by Jesus in Matthew and in Mark's gospel, is engulfed in wars. It is engulfed in rumors of wars. And why? Because of sin. You might be able to say, well, it's this government and it's that government and it's this uh, financial deal and that deal. You know what? The bottom line is it is sin. Amen. Our world is plagued with racial tensions. Jesus said that in the last days, nation shall rise against nation. That word nation in the Greek is ethnos, which is where we get the word ethnicity. And what Jesus is saying is that in the last days, people will divide over race. People don't need governments to help them do this. People do this because they have sin in their life. We don't have a skin problem. We have a sin problem. We have a sin problem. Hallelujah. Our world, much of our world, most of our world lives under the shadow of famines and easily curable diseases. Why? Because of sin. It's not because there's a lack of food. There's more food than we know what to do with. It's not because there's a lack of medication. There's more medication than we know what to do with. The problem is sin. Amen. Sin gets into governments. Sin gets into politicians. Sin gets into economies. Sin gets into everything. Amen. There's a sin problem. No country, no city, no border, no boundary, no people group. Amen. Is invincible. Amen. We are all, amen, in trouble. Somebody say amen. Amen. Kids are bringing guns to school. And they're not just bringing them to school. They're using them. Amen. They're shooting their classmates. And we're not talking about high school kids. Amen. In low income schools. We're talking about all age kids. Amen. And all kinds of social classes. Amen. Suicide and depression and mental illness is at an all time high. Amen. Why? Because of sin. Humanity is not invincible. Humanity is not incorruptible. We have problems. We have problems in our cities. We have problems in our families. We have problems in our institutions of learning. We have problems in our politics. We have problems in our economies. And it's all because of sin. And so what is the solution? God had a solution many years ago. Amen. He manifested himself in flesh. He died on the cross. Amen. And he paid the price for sin. Amen. But that was just part of the solution. Amen. The other half of the solution is that God wants people praying for people. God wants people praying for people. God God wants people praying for people. Amen. You've probably heard me say this before. There ain't no China hutch in the church. Hallelujah. You know, I remember at my grandma's house, she had a China hutch. And the minute you put a plate in the China hutch, you don't get to use that plate no more. That plate, it doesn't matter if your grandma puts a big gulp cup in the China hutch. Don't you touch that cup. Hallelujah. Everything that goes in the China hutch is out of circulation. It is not, well, there ain't no, there ain't no out of circulation saints in the church. There ain't no China hutch in the church. 
Amen. God, God did not save you to put you in his China hutch. Amen. God did not say, you know what? You just have a ministry of church attendance. No, 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 no. God did not save you just because I got a ministry of giving. No, 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 no. Or I have a ministry of helping, uh, helping around the church. No, no, no. Those are all good things. Those are all. But you know what those things are? Those are just reasonable services. Amen. The reason God saved us is so that we might engage in the battle. Amen. And help solve the sin problem. Oh, come on. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, I have Bible study with Brother Robert every Wednesday. Hallelujah. And Brother Robert was telling me how that even in NA and AA, amen, they have something called a sponsorship. Because even these institutions understand that when you come out of your situation, you need somebody to come alongside you. Amen. And help. Amen. And help others. Hallelujah. Amen. Because people help solve people problems. And people help solve the sin problem. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus died for everybody's sin, but Jesus wants his church to reach for sinners. Hallelujah. You and I are the ones that help bring people to the feet of Jesus. You and I are the ones, amen, that help put people in the baptistry. You and I are the ones that lay hands on them, amen, until God fills them with the Holy Spirit. Amen. You and I are part of the sin solution. Somebody say amen. amen. God is calling this church to pray. Amen. We just took three days out. Amen. Uh, uh, the 10th and the 11th and 12th to fast and to pray. Amen. Because that is what God has called us to do. Amen. And all throughout the Bible, this has always been God's plan. Amen. The Bible uh, in the book of Genesis. Let, let me tell you something. God is the first apostle. Hallelujah. Amen. Adam fell into sin and God of his own initiation sent himself into that garden to call for a man who had fallen into sin and said, Adam, where are you? Come out from your situation. Amen. I want to forgive you. Amen. I want to get all this. Amen. Taken care of. Amen. If God went, then we need to go. If God was calling out to people, then we need to call out to people. Somebody say amen. Amen. The Bible talks to us about a city, Sodom and Gomorrah. Amen. And God was going to destroy the city because of the sin problem. But before God ever did that, amen, God called on a man named Abraham to pray in hopes that he might be able to find 50 righteous people. Amen. God sent the children of Israel into exile and they landed in Babylon. And there through the mouth of the prophet Jeremiah, God began to tell his people to pray for the people of Babylon, to pray for their city, that they might have peace in their city. Amen. God spoke to a prophet by the name of Jonah and he told Jonah, Jonah, I'm about to destroy, amen, a city called Nineveh, amen. In fact, they say that Nineveh was the greatest city of antiquity, hallelujah. It was the largest city of antiquity, amen. In fact, God himself called it Nineveh, that great city, but God didn't care how great it was. God didn't care how big it was. God didn't care how much money they had. God didn't care how many people they had on welfare crack, amen, or in the skyscrapers. God said, I'm going to destroy that place if somebody don't pray for that place. He said, I'm sending you Jonah you've got to go you've got to cry out you've got to pray you've got to have a burden there is a sin problem and I'm not going to solve it by myself somebody say amen hallelujah 
Amen. Jesus prayed for Jerusalem. Amen. This was the, this was the city of God. Amen. The city, amen, where God's tabernacle dwelt. The city, amen, hallelujah, where the Ark of the, uh, the, the Ark of the Covenant one time resided. This is the city where Solomon's temple resided. This was the city of the great king of Israel. Hallelujah. And yet Jesus had to stand over the mountaintops of Jerusalem, extend his hands towards heaven and sob bitterly and pray for Jerusalem. Amen. Even God in flesh prayed for cities. Amen. Paul prayed for Corinth. Paul prayed for all the cities that he traversed. Amen. If Abraham prayed for cities, if Jeremiah prayed for the city, if Jonah prayed for the city, if Jesus prayed for his city, if Paul prayed for his city. Amen. I have every biblical right to tell you, you got to pray for your city. Hallelujah. Why does God call on us to pray for cities? Because prayer changes things. I said because prayer changes things. And and perhaps even those of us who are agreeing with the pastor today might say, you know what, pastor, I know that's true, but I've been praying for some folks and they're not changing. I'm praying for these situations and they're not changing. Keep praying. Prayer does change things. And this might be a little old old school here for you, but let let me just say this, and we've all heard it. If prayer doesn't change things, prayer changes you. And sometimes that's what needs to happen. Hallelujah. If prayer doesn't change things, it will change us. Hallelujah. And it'll help us. Amen. Approach our situation differently. Amen. But God calls on humans to pray because prayer changes things. When a human life is touched by prayer, futures are changed. Lives are saved. Prescribed outcomes of doom are altered. Prayer changes things. But there must be someone to pray. Let me tell you something about God, and we've probably all said it, but, but hopefully I can, I can help elaborate on our understanding of this. God is just. Amen. I've said it already several times throughout this sermon. I'll say it again. Humanity is not in good shape. But God is just. But God is just. And if God is just, that means that the guilty have a right to an advocate. In a just society, the defendant and the, uh, the accuser both get a lawyer. In a just society. And, and God is just. And let me tell you something else about God that made him different than all the other gods of antiquity. And that makes him different than all the gods of modern society. God is just. And he has no intentions on ruling by might. God rules by right. God don't need to beat anybody up. God can do things right. And if things are done right, lives can be spared, saved, changed, altered, readjusted, redirected, re-influenced. Amen. Jesus said himself, I did not come to destroy men's lives. I came to save men's lives. Hallelujah. This is the power of right Amen. The gods of antiquity said, if you don't serve me, I'll crack a lightning bolt over you. If you don't do what I tell you, amen, I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to wipe you out. I'm going to let you have it. That's not the way God dealt with things. And we know that there were times in the Bible when God did these things. But mind you, it was after 400 years of warning. It was after years and years and years of pleading. It was after years and years and years 
of people praying and crying, amen, and, and, and repenting, amen, and, 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 and not adhering to the ways of God. The Bible says that God is slow to wrath, hallelujah. In fact, the Bible says that the long-suffering of God is the salvation of man, hallelujah. The reason all of us here today are saved is because God was not quick was not quick to execute judgment and I'll tell you what else even if you don't know it even if you've never been uh, if you've never come into contact with the person someone somewhere who may not even know you stood in the gap and said Jesse Willoughby guilty have mercy you know your lawyer your lawyer is not always pleading the case that you're innocent Sometimes your lawyer's like, he's guilty, he's just crazy. Uh-huh. <laughs> Have mercy. And we, all of us here are the beneficiaries of somebody interceding, somebody praying, right. so, whether for us directly or for, for the cities we live in. For the families we're a part of. For the regions where someone said, God have mercy. God have mercy. God have mercy. And that's why we are doing what we do. That is why we call for three-day fast. That is why we pray for our cities. That is why we pray for our families. That is why we pray for our friends. That is why we pray for our colleagues and our associates. Amen. Because we are pleading with God. We are advocating, yes, for the guilty. That's exactly. God wanted his verdict challenged. God told Abraham, I'm going to let these people have it. Somebody challenge me. Somebody talk me out of this. God told Jonah, I'm going to let these people have it. In fact, he said, the Bible says in Jonah 1, I believe it's Jonah 1 and 1 and 1 through 1 and 2. The Bible says, and the word of the Lord came to Jonah and said, Jonah, go into that city, that great city, Nineveh, and cry out against it. And chapters later, Jonah reveals after he gets spit out of the belly of the whale and God forgives Nineveh. God says, Jonah, Jonah tells God, he says, I knew you were going to forgive these people. That's why I didn't even want to get into this. Because you wouldn't be telling me to come out and pray. You wouldn't be telling me to come out and preach. You wouldn't be telling me to do this if you weren't ready to forgive them. Because I know how you are. And this is not New Testament, love you, hug you, Jesus. This is Old Testament, God, I'll let you have it. If somebody doesn't get in between us. And so my question for you today is, have you adopted a city yet? You know, you see these signs all along the freeway. Adopt a freeway. Don't adopt a freeway. Adopt a city. Hallelujah. Adopt a city. Have you adopted a city? Have you, have you, have, uh, those, of, those of us that live in Alameda, we ought to be praying for Alameda. Those of you that live in San Leandro, you ought to be praying for San Leandro. Those of you that live in Oakland, Berkeley, you ought to be praying for those cities. Hallelujah. Those of you, amen, I don't know what other cities we come from, but wherever you come from, amen, you ought to be praying for that city. Amen. As you leave that city to come to church, you ought to be praying for that city. As you leave this church, please pray for Alameda and ask God to fill this building up 10 times over amen when you get back home pray for your city tell God to put you in contact with people amen hallelujah in your city that you can bring to church that you can help get them to the feet of Jesus hallelujah somebody hallelujah 
My question for you today is, have you adopted a family? Come on. Is there one family that you are just pounding on that name? Is there one family? Is there a Johnson family? Is there a Smith family? Is there a Rodriguez, a Lopez? Amen. Is there a family somewhere? Amen. Is there, is there a family somewhere on your prayer list that you pray for every day, them and all their kids? Is there a family somewhere, amen, whose name is on your refrigerator and you pray? You know, I, I, I hope this ain't too old school for you. We are praying church. We pray around here. Hallelujah. That's just how we roll around here. We pray for people because prayer changes things. Prayer, prayer turns around, amen, the Lopez family. Prayer changes the Smiths, amen. Prayer changes the Rodriguez family. Prayer sets things on a new, well, I don't, you know, you know, pastor, I got this, I got this, these people that live next door to me. I don't even know where, where they come from. They, 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 we don't even speak the same language. We just wave at each other as we're gardening. Pray anyways, hallelujah, amen. Just pray, pray, and maybe get on Wikipedia or something, learn how to say hi in their language. Hallelujah. But get in the battle. Get involved. Get in the middle of it. Advocate. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. And let me tell you something. As the pastor of this church, hallelujah, I have all of your names, amen, on my phone. I pray for you, hallelujah. But I wouldn't, I, I, if all you did today was walk out of here and say, you know what? There's a family in this church that I got to bring. I'm going to pray for them every day. Thank you. But please adopt a city, adopt a family, and pray. Hallelujah. I want to ask you today, have you, a, have you adopted a person yet? Is there one person that you've just committed yourself to praying for? Everybody here should have a prayer list. Everybody here, and I'm not, I'm not ragging on you if you don't. You have, you have all day today. We only have one service, praise God. We, you only have one service today. You have all day today to go home and pick up a pen and a paper and put a city on that paper and put a family on that paper and put a person on that paper and put some kids on that paper. And put the United States of America on that paper because you live here. Hallelujah. Pray for this country. This country is in trouble. Somebody say amen. God cares about your zeal. Everyone say zeal. God, listen. It hurts God that many of us have the testimony of, I used to be so on fire. That really grieves God. Oh, I used to give. Oh, yeah, I used to sing in the choir. I used to help. I used to, man, I remember when I first started, I used to be at church an hour early. And I'm not, I'm not here to make you feel bad. Kind of. God cares about zeal. You know why you did that? Because you had zeal. There was just something that got a hold of you. You had zeal. God, and in and, 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 and Colossians 4 and 12, the apostle Paul writes about a man named Epaphras. And he says this about Epaphras. He says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, salutes you, always laboring fervently for you in prayer, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him, Epaphras, a record. That he has a great zeal. Everyone say zeal. zeal. He has a great zeal for you. That are in Laodicea. 
There was this man in the church who Paul knew, whose name was Epiphras. And Epiphras was in the prayer room praying for the saints in Laodicea. Why does this matter? Because his specific prayer was, God, don't let them lose their zeal. And listen to this. In Revelations 3 and 19, it was their zeal that God was worried about. Because in Revelations 3 and 19, God writes to the church in Laodicea and says this, As many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. And what's he say? Be zealous. And therefore, and repent. So here's this church full of people talking about, I used to. Here's this church of, man, you remember the good old days? Man, our first pastor. Thank you, Sister Jessica. Hallelujah. And man, I remember when I. And man, we used to. And that's, that's just how they're talking. And God says, you know what? Y'all are losing your zeal. Losing your zeal. And now I've got to raise up a man over here who's in a building, who goes to another church, who's got enough people to pray for, but you're losing your zeal over here. So I'm going to raise up a man over here to pray that you don't lose your zeal. And they, they lost their zeal. And when God came back to them, he says, you know what? I love you, but I got something against you. You done lost your zeal. You're late. You don't serve. You don't help. You don't pray. You don't give. You got all kinds of weird doctrines in your head about what's right and what's wrong. You're, 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 your clothes are getting tighter. They're getting shorter. You didn't used to look like that. Hallelujah. You're compromising. You, you've snuck things into your home that at one time you threw away in the garbage can. Hallelujah. Come, come on. Talk to me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God cares about your zeal. God, God cares about the fact that you know when, when the next TV show's coming on, but you don't, you don't have a prayer list on your refrigerator. God cares about the fact, amen, that it's been years since you've ever done a one, two day. Well, Pastor, you know what? I'm kind of sick. Amen. You haven't even done a half day fast. I'm not here to rag on you. I'm, not, I'm here to challenge you. I'm here to tell you that God cares about your zeal. Well, Pastor, I used to read my Bible. Do you read your Bible now? God cares about your zeal. God cares about your zeal. When God sees churches losing their zeal, he raises up men and women to pray for your zeal. Because if you lose your zeal, amen, the mission is hurt and souls are lost. I, I, I want to tell you here in the fear of God, there are people that only you can reach. There are people that only you can affect. There are people that only you can come. I might be able to teach a Bible study better than you. But if I don't know that person like you know that person, there's nobody better than you. It's not just the pastor's job. And praise God, when we get some deacons trained, it's just not the deacon's job. It's everyone's job to say, I am called of God. To pray for a city, to pray for a family, to pray for a person. My job is not just to check into the church and pray for myself. I have a call from God to be in the battle. I have a call from God to be zealous. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Since January, and I'm closing, since January... East Bay Bible Fellowship has been in revival. Some, some of you have just started coming. Uh, I, think, I think Janelle's been here the longest. 
I could be wrong. Besides me and my wife. We started, we started on the other side of Target three years ago. With Nainai. With, with, my, with my, my, my wife's grandma. 83 years old. Or I don't know how old she is. 93 years old. So she was 90 at the time. She was a young 90. We took her upstairs. It was actually a bigger building than this. Sat 70 people. And it was just us and her and our oldest daughter, Ayla. And we told her, this is our church. And she laughed. She actually walked out. My wife went and got her. And this is the truth. I had a search for, I had an exploring God's word chart. And, and we, we convinced her to sit down. Praise God. Let me just, let me tell you something. I'm not phased. Yeah. I'm not phased mm-hmm. by, I have a mission. Amen. And the mission must be done. Amen. Whether it's in front of a 90 year old person Amen. or 90, you want to know the truth? I'm not saying this to brag. I have better things to do than to brag. I don't have to brag to this church. I don't, I don't have to preface this. Those of you who know me, know me. You know what? You know what I was doing the week before I was teaching that Bible study? I was preaching to 5,000 people. At a conference. And when, and, but see, that doesn't phase me. That doesn't phase me. Because I could preach to 5,000 people, but after I'm done preaching, I got a city. I got a family. I got somebody I'm praying for. I'm not, this, is not about, this is not about fame. This is not about accolades. This is about people that are really going to go to hell if somebody don't get involved. That's just brass tacks. That's just really what's going on around here. People are going to be lost if you and I don't get engaged. People are going to be lost if you, and my, if you and I say, you know what, well, I don't really know what, you know. We got to get in there. We got to pray. And so I, I, three years ago, we started, we started with just one person. Knocking doors. It's grown. But even, even up until a few months ago, if you came here on a Wednesday night, it was pretty empty. You come here on a Wednesday night, our crowd's almost as big as it is right now. Yeah. Am I telling the truth? Amen. Since January. You know what? And I hope I could say this because he's not in here. I, I hope I could say this. With the Roach's permission, please rebuke me after if I'm wrong. But I remember I, I looked around this congregation and it was, you know, all of us here were saved. And I, I just remember one day I said, you know what? We, it's, been, it's been too long. We haven't baptized. I, if I get nervous if we don't baptize somebody at least every few months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At, at least several somebody's. And I told myself, I said, you know what? We haven't baptized anybody. And everybody here was looking really saved. Uh-huh. And I said, is there, a, is there anybody here who's never been baptized? And Brother Roach and Sister Luby said, Jathan. Uh-huh. Jathan. You know what? Maybe so. You know what? I, I said, okay, I'm going after Jathan then. Jathan going to get it. Pastor's going to go see. And I did. And I met, I met Brother Rocha at Pete's Coffee, didn't I? And I had a Bible study with Jathan. And I taught Jathan a Bible study. I brought my pens, my papers, drew everything out for him, told him he needed to repent. I called him a few nights in a row, told him, Jathan, these are all the works of the flesh. I don't think he committed half of them, but I made him repent about it anyways. <laughs> right? I don't. How old is Jathan? 13. 13. He was probably 12 at the time. Yeah, I didn't care. I didn't care. A soul is a soul is a soul. Pastor loves Jathan. Jesus loves Jathan. His parents love Jathan. Why, why would we pass him up? Why would we pass him up? And, and you know what I told myself? I, I told myself, I said, you know what? I'm, this is going to start with Jathan. 
This is going to start with Jathan. We baptized Jathan. I think a few weeks later, we baptized Brother Robert. Hallelujah. Amen. A few weeks later, we baptized somebody else. Amen. I baptized a guy named Hector. Hallelujah. Hector still don't come to church. And I still have Bible studies every week with Hector. Hallelujah. And maybe somebody's saying, well, pastor, I wouldn't do it that way. Well, you ain't the pastor. But let me, let me tell you this much. Hallelujah. If they don't come, but they're still willing to meet with me, I'm going to meet with them. I'm, I'm, I'm playing the long game. I'm playing the long game. I'm playing the long game. Hallelujah. I'm playing the long game and I'll have a three-year Bible study. I'm playing the long game and I'll baptize a child. I'm playing the long game. I'm playing the long game. Amen. Sister Leah had a Bible study with Brandon for seven, almost eight months. Eight months. And we baptized him and he got on the plane and left to China. But we still send him Bible studies over the internet. Amen. And we don't know who he's talking to out there. Amen. But hallelujah. We're playing the long game. Hallelujah. We're playing the long game. And you know what? And, 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 you, and those of you who know me. Amen. During the day, I'm not chilling at the house, sipping iced tea. During the day, I'm teaching two, three Bible studies. Amen. I'm out there. I'm trying to grind. Not, not to impress you. Not to be able to preach hard. Not, not to be able to get down on this. But you know why? Because we're living in the last days. Amen. And, and God is looking for somebody to challenge his verdict. Oh, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, there was a time I was teaching my Bible studies. Sister Leah was teaching her. Sister Harris teaching her Bible studies. Amen. And you know what? And nobody was walking through the doors. But, but, but we walked by faith. We walked by zeal. Not by sight. And in January, just things turned around. Things turned around. People started coming. People started getting baptized. Amen. In fact, we, in fact, I think we, we went, I think, two or three weeks where we didn't baptize anything less than two people a week. Amen. And we're still baptizing people. Brother Daryl's getting baptized really soon. I just had... Amen. I just had a Bible study with Brother Daryl, didn't I? Hallelujah. We met at the library. Hallelujah. We talked about baptism. Hallelujah. We're in revival right now. It's not coming. I'm almost done. Let's get back to the verse we started with. The Lord said, pray for rain. In the time of rain. What's that translated into? When the church is growing, pray that the church is growing. When you have momentum, keep praying for more momentum. Don't think you deserve momentum. Don't think you deserve growth. You know what? See, the children of Israel, they lived in the desert. They lived in the, in the Near East. It's dry. It's arid. And they, they looked forward to the rainy season. And when it rained, Brother Robert, God said, hey, don't, don't get too juiced about this. And he said, while it's raining, pray that the next rain come too. Because life can turn upside down. And things can turn around and the weather can change. And you could end up having two dry seasons instead of one. He said, and so while it's raining, keep praying for rain. And so while they're getting baptized, let's pray for more. And so while the church is thundering, let's, let's fast. And so while we're winning souls, let's win more. 
And let's not think that we deserve it. And let's not get comfortable. And let's not lose our zeal. And let's not say, man, we got over that hump. We're not trying to get over humps here. We're trying to get to heaven. And as my pastor used to tell me all the time, we're trying to take as many people as we can with us. The mission is simple. The mission is simple. You pray for rain in times of rain. I don't want this to stop. It's not going to stop. Because I will be here praying for rain if it's soaking wet in here. <laughs> but we never, we never coast. There may be days we have down days. There may be days where the numbers aren't so high. There may be days when there's no kids in the back. But everything stays on a spiritual high. We're not... We're not, we're not canceling service. You know, one of, the, one of the first things we learned, and I'm closing, I promise this is my last statement. I remember when we first started, it was Christmas. It was like Christmas Eve. And me and my wife were like, you know what? It was just me and her and, and maybe a few other people. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to let everybody have their Christmas Eve. And, and at some, for some re- reason, this particular day felt like on a Sunday. I said, you know what? We're just not going to have church because I don't think anybody will show up anyways. And I'm not kidding you, I got a phone call. And there was a guy standing out in front of the building. And he said, me and a bunch of other people I do not know are waiting for you to open the building today. How embarrassed. I just told my wife, I said, I don't care what holiday it is. We just ain't canceling now. I don't care. I don't care if it's Labor Day. Hallelujah. Veterans Day, St. Patrick's. We're just, we're going to be here. The, the lights will be on. Hallelujah. We're going to be here. Yes, Hallelujah. And, and we only have one service. And so if you got to go right after, you got to go right after. Yeah. But please check in. Right. Check in and keep your zeal red hot. Right. Amen. Check in and keep Jesus first. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Everybody's going to pray. God, help me to reach somebody. Hallelujah. Come on, everybody pray right now. Maybe, maybe you need to pray for your son or your daughter who's lost right now. Pray for them. That's perfectly acceptable. Hallelujah. But everybody's going to pray together right now for the same thing. We're not praying for ourselves right now. Hallelujah. We're praying for our city. We're praying for our families. Come on. Lift those hands. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Call out that name. Call out that city. Hallelujah, Jesus.